Today we continue our series called People of Prayer. We've been spending the entire summer saying we want to be people of prayer. And so we've been looking at people in the Bible who have specific prayers in specific moments in their life. And we've been trying to connect our lives with their lives so that we can become people more and more of prayer. Today we're going to look at Nehemiah. You maybe never heard even of the book of Nehemiah as a tiny little book. I think it's only 13 chapters or so um, in the Old Testament. And we're going to take a look at Nehemiah's prayer so that we can uh, look at seeking out God's direction. You may have heard that undertone even in our worship already this morning. We're going to be seeking out how do we hear God's direction before I begin got to give um, credit where credit is due. Uh, much of how I researched this week was uh, in this little book, Andy Stanley's book, Vision Nearing. Um, and it's about seeking out God's direction and vision in your life. I would highly recommend this book. And um, I'm borrowing or stealing a bunch of his ideas in here. So i got to give credit where that is due. I'll leave it up here. If you want to see it after the service, go ahead and grab it. Don't steal it, though. All right. Just Amazon it. Okay. Nehemiah 1, we're going to look at 5 through 11, but I'm going to read 1 through 11 to give us a little bit of context. Nehemiah 1, 1 through 11. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 12th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, and this is the prayer we're going to look at today. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, who is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction that you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer to the king. 
Here's the big thought this morning. When you encounter a crossroad moment, it is important to begin with prayer. When you come to a crossroad moment, a moment of decision, a moment where you need direction, where there's option A, option B, option C, maybe even option D, what should you do? You should begin with prayer. Have you ever come to a moment of decision, a moment of crossroads in your life? Maybe you did just this past year. Maybe it was a moment where you thought... We're going to move to Big Sky. We're going to relocate to Big Sky. I heard lots of great things are happening. And, and there's tons of houses available. And, um, you know, and lots of jobs. And it's just fantastic. And, you know, you thought we're going to relocate to Big Sky. Or you thought we're going to relocate somewhere else. Maybe there was a big decision. And you thought, should we, should we move? Uh, maybe this year you thought, should we take that job? Maybe that job that relocated you to Big Sky, right? Or is relocating you somewhere else. Should I take that job? Should I date this person or marry this person, right? Before he gets down on one knee, I should probably have figured out what my response would be to that, right? So should I say yes or should I say, let's wait a little bit on that partner, all right? Should I go to this college or that college? Some of our graduates just asked this. Or should I um, start working and make some money before I make a decision like that? Should we make this financial commitment in this year? Should we, should we, should we, right? If we went around the room, I'm sure we would find a plethora of should we's this morning. Just probably in the past Year, moments where you needed direction, moments where you were at a crossroads, you saw all the options in front of you and you thought, what should I do? And see, Nehemiah was in one of these moments. And Nehemiah's prayer, the next point in your outline, Nehemiah's prayer shows us the way to go when we need God's direction. Right? When we have option A, B, C, and sometimes even D, the question would be, where do we go? And especially, where do we go if we want God's direction? Right? Not our direction, but what if we want God's direction? Well, Nehemiah would inform us that prayer is the way to go. It's the first step to take when we have important decisions to make. I want to give you a little background on Nehemiah's story. And you heard some of this in the intro before verse 5. So Nehemiah, uh, short little story in the Bible. Um, he works for the king of Persia. Uh, he is the cupbearer. We'll get to the details of that a little later. And he hears from his friends who are also Israelites, and he is also a Jewish Israelite. He, he hear, hears from them and he says, hey, what's going on in Jerusalem and what's going on with the exiles, the Jewish exiles? See, see, the story of the Israelites, the story of the Jewish people is um, that they were enslaved in Egypt and then they were freed into the promised land and then back into exile with the Babylonians several different times. And as we come upon this story, they're in the third moment of captivity. 
the third moment of exile with the Babylonians. And he inquires to them, hey, how are things going with my people? How are things going in our sacred place, Jerusalem, the worshiping center of who we are? How are things going? And the reply is, it's not going well, Nehemiah. In fact, the wall is torn down and, and the doors are burned down and, and we, we're not offering sacrifices. Things are not good for our people. And Nehemiah in this moment has a moment of decision. He has a crossroad moment. What do I do in this moment? Do I just sit around and just let it be? Do I actually inquire more and maybe try to do something? What do I do in this moment? He's got this deep, heavy burden within him that he says, you know, something isn't right. Oftentimes we come to these moments, these moments because of a burden in our lives, right? We think something isn't right. Something isn't working well. Something, it just doesn't seem to be aligned. And so there's this deep burden that starts maybe being born within us and it grows up in us. And suddenly we, we just have to act. And see, Nehemiah is in this moment. He's asking, what should I do? I need God's direction. And so the way to go, we want to look at five really practical steps in terms of seeking out God's direction in prayer. Five steps in seeking out God's direction in prayer. So Nehemiah begins his prayer. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to the prayer of your servant who's praying before you. He says, hey God, listen up, right? Please hear my voice. Turn your eyes to me. And he begins by saying this. Um, He begins with saying, we need a clean slate. Step one in seeking out God's direction is seeking out a clean slate. Starting with a clean slate. In here he says this, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. I'm going to give you a visual here, okay? I'm going to talk about me, not you. I'm not going to pick on you. I'm going to pick on me this morning, okay? So, um, lots of decisions in my life. Uh, just like any normal person, wake up with normal decisions to make, some big decisions to make. Um, we've obviously got some things we're trying to think through here with how crammed we are in this space and, and how awesome it is what God is doing at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. So, there's a lot of thoughts on my own head. And when I get around prayer, um, what often pops up in my head is something like this. Hey, I saw my um, neighbor and he had this really nice drift boat drive by. I think it was John D'Amico as blue, right? That was you yesterday, right? And I, I'm going to be honest, I got a little envious. I mean, I was mowing my lawn and I got a little envious. And, and then as I was um, mowing my lawn, I looked across at Neil's house and Neil has greener grass than me. And I was like, I've got some thistles. So times two will go with envy uh, just as I'm mowing my lawn, right? Um, and, and, then, um, and then my kids, we went camping, which was fun. But there was also some moments of, um, let's, just, let's just be honest here. Let's just be honest. There were some moments of anger, okay? Um, camping was fun, right? We had a great time. But there were some moments like, stop pulling on the dog's ear, Ava. Or, you know, us. anyway. So um, now I owe her $5 for talking about her in the church sermon. Okay. So we'll go like times 10. Okay. Um, to be honest here. 
Um, it's probably times 12, so I have to put lying on here as well. Um, right? Um, envious, angry, lying. Now, um, now I wake up this morning and I go, okay, I want to get myself ready for the sermon. Right? And, and I could list probably 20, 30, 40 more things on here where I miss the mark. And Nehemiah says, so, so have we, God. We've missed the mark. We've turned to other gods. We're not listening to you. We're, we're probably in exile because of the decisions that we're making. And what he admits first and foremost in his, in his uh, prayer is that he needs a fresh start. Right? He needs a clean slate. This is something that I um, often, often begin with in personal prayer. And I would encourage you, as you go to prayer, to begin with a clean slate. This is about asking for forgiveness. See, we don't believe that you need to be perfect people in this church. We don't, need, we don't believe that you've got to get here and get all your stuff together so that Jesus can love you. But what we do believe is that we need to be sorrowful for our sins. We need to be those who are repentant for our sins. We need to be those who are humble, and we need to start in that place. Nine times out of ten, in my personal prayer time, I'm not talking about praying for meals or things like that, but nine times out of ten, in my personal prayer time, I start right where Nehemiah starts, because I say, God, I've missed the mark. I have missed the mark, and I need a clean slate. And before we start talking about all this other stuff, God, before we start having this conversation about all this stuff, i got some stuff to lay out here before you, and I need you to clean it up. Because I can't clean it up, and it seems like I still struggle with this each and every day. So can you please, can you please clean this up? Can you give me a clean slate? And I don't think there's any better way to start a prayer than asking for a clean slate. Some of you grew up in homes, uh, religious homes, where your dads would always end the prayer with, and forgive us our sins, in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody in the room? No? Okay. And it was just like this thing, right? Like, oh, by the way, if I missed anything, God, forgive my sins. I would say, no, 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 we should, we should practice the opposite. We should be those who begin our prayers saying, God, there are some things I have done that have missed the mark. There are some ways that I have missed the mark. I have put other things in front of you, and I need you to forgive me. I need to acknowledge that I'm broken. I need to acknowledge my sin, and I need a clean slate. And that's exactly where Nehemiah begins. Number one, starting with a clean slate. Number two, after beginning with a clean slate, he checks his motives. He checks his motives. So he says this, O oh Lord, be, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. I'm going to actually um, start at verse 10. He says this, They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Okay? There's a word missing. And that word is what? My. Which is where we often go with prayer, is it not? Instead, Nehemiah is checking his motives by saying, God, these are your people. And I am 
your servant. And so quickly from moving from starting with a clean slate, he goes to checking his motives. And we've covered this several times throughout this year, especially when it comes to prayer. See, prayer helps us get in line with God's will. It doesn't help God get in line with our will. You understand me? Like, and we struggle with this, don't we? We struggle with this. I mean, often we come to prayer and we say this, this is what I want, God, right? That's how we often approach God in prayer. But Nehemiah, he checks his motives and he says, listen, these are your people who you saved with your great strength and your mighty hand. He doesn't say, hey, God, I, you know, I work for the king, pretty important guy, and uh, I, I think I can do some things here. He doesn't say that. He doesn't begin with me or my. He begins with your. He checks his motives. And, and we, get, we get frustrated about this, but, but Nehemiah doesn't. He recognizes, and the, the word here is, the phrase here is your servant. He's saying, I work for you. You don't work for me. I work for you. I'm your servant. You're not my servant. And when we get this messed up, um, it messes up our prayers. It messes up our prayers. And, and I think this is often a great hindrance for people when it comes to faith. I really do. I think that when we pray certain things... And we ask God to do certain things, and then He doesn't come through with those things, and we say, well, how can you do that, God? How can you not align your will with my will? See, two things often happen uh, when we don't check our motives. One, we pray, we don't check our motives, we say, this is what I want, God. And we either, A, we get what we want, and we realize very quickly, it's not what we needed. You understand me? We, we, like, we say, this is what I want, God. This is what I really need, God. If you would just give me this, like, you know, single people. If you would just give me this girl, this guy, right? It would just be perfect. And then you get this girl and this guy and you go like, this is way more confusing, God, right? It's a lot more work than I thought it would be. And somehow they're not a very good God. And I was maybe putting them in a place of God that they would fix all these things. And then they, they come into my life and they haven't, Right? And so oftentimes we say, God, this is what I want. This is what I need. And God says to you and to me, okay, you can have it. You can have it. heard a pastor recently saying this. He said, the wrath of God is often poured out by God giving you exactly what you want. That's a good statement, right? See, God, God doesn't need to mess up your life. We're really good at doing it ourselves, aren't we? Right? So either we get what we want, we realize it's not what we need, or we don't get what we want, and, and we get mad at God. And we say subtly, I think I could do a better job than you. I think I'm smarter than you. I think if you would just do it my way, things would be better, God. And that's astounding for someone to say who didn't hang the stars in place. It's astounding for someone such as us who is finite and limited to say to the infinite and unlimited being who knows all things, who knew us before we were even in our mother's womb to say, how dare you, God, I know better than you. Isn't that interesting? You know, it'd be like an ant looking up at you today and being like, I got an idea for you. And I think I know more than you. And you're like, sorry, ant. Um, right? Right. 
And I think as we come to prayer, I think it's really important to check our motives. I think it's exceedingly important for us to check our motives, to check what Scripture says, to check where within our heart is there selfishness, is there pride, is there ignorance, is there arrogance? Do I just want what I want because I want it now? Or am I truly seeking out what God would want because I'm his servant? He's not mine. So, so we begin, um, we begin number one with starting with a clean slate, which leads us into then checking our motives, which Nehemiah does because he knows who's in charge. And then after that's done, then he asks for help. So the third step would be then, then he asks for help. Once we have the clean slate, once we've checked our motives, then we should ask boldly. Then we should ask boldly. There's two things that he asks for in this prayer. That he would have success and that he would have favor. Success and Favor. I started coaching the boys' varsity basketball team, and I got to spend some time with them. Been coaching them throughout the summer a little bit here and there, and just having a great time getting to know them. But they've had three coaches in three years, which isn't how you imagine your high school career to be. So, especially with the juniors and seniors, I've been sitting down with them, and I've been saying this to them: What would a successful season look like to you? You know, maybe you want to talk to me a little bit about wins and losses. That's okay, but I'm not asking you. What does a winning season look like? We, we all know we're either going to win or lose. That's just how it works, right? What does a successful season look like to you? And they talked about these really interesting things about team chemistry and, and how they want to work together, how they want to enjoy each other's company, how they, how they do want to go after some more wins. And I was glad to hear that and how they want to, they want to do well. They don't do, want to do poorly. They want to represent their school well. These really admirable things. And I think we should be those who, when we have checked our motives and we started with a clean slate, I think we should boldly ask God for success. Right? Four years ago, Lori and I were in the midst of a, a conversation with this church. Right? And, and we weren't telling a whole lot of people and the search committee wasn't telling a whole lot of people. But there was this search going on and we actually came out in August and we didn't let anybody know except for the search committee. And we met with them, met with us. We actually were incognito in town one day, walked around town, just checking it out, seeing if we feel like we could live here. But I can tell you this, I wasn't praying for God to let this fall through. I wasn't. I was praying that I could be the pastor here. If God would will it, that I could be the pastor here. If that was his plan, if my motives were checked, if I was starting with a clean slate, God, if you want me to be the pastor of this church and in this community, please give it to me. I want it. I want to succeed in this. I want to make your name great. And I believe that we can ask boldly once we know. Once we've, once we've really checked our motives, and once we have uh, really said, I, I want to take all of me out of this, and I want to boldly ask you, God, for something I believe is in line with your will. We need to ask for success, and we need to ask for favor. We need to say, Here, here's the plan, God. I, 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 I want this job. I think it's good for my family. I think we need a change of pace. I think we need a, a fresh start. And so, so God, give me success in this next step. I, I wouldn't didn't tell you I was going to pick on you. Domingo's, right? You're headed, you're headed to Whitefish. And we're so sad to see you go. 
Um, and we won't be the same without you. And we know you'll be back from time to time. But your prayer and my prayer for you is success and favor. That you would have success there. That you would be favored there. That God would do whatever he wants to for you there. And that he has great, great plans for you. And I think you've been a part of this church for a season. So we can send you out and we can see what God's going to do. To make his name great. We want to pray for success and for favor. And we want to simply ask for help. Nehemiah says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. So, so, so the first three movements here, clean slate, right? Uh, clean slate and, and then checking his motives and then asking for help. And then four and five are kind of um, our next steps beyond prayer. Okay. And we'll couple them together. Four is this. We look for an opportunity. We look for an opportunity. So I'm a both and kind of guy, right? So if you're sick, I think you should pray for healing and you should go to the doctor. I do, okay? And so if you're one of those folks who's like, no, you should just pray harder. Doctors have great medicine and God made doctors who were able to come up with some medicine that's helpful. Like when I got the shingles two weeks ago, there was some medicine and it helped. And so did prayer, right? So I'm kind of a both and guy. You need a job? Pray for that job and apply for a job, okay? You understand what I'm saying? I'm a both and kind of guy, right? It makes me crazy when people say, I've been praying and praying and praying. I'm like, how's your resume? And they're like, I don't have one of those. Like, hey man, you ain't pulling your weight here, okay? So we need to look for an opportunity. Here's what Nehemiah says. He says, I was the cupbearer for the king. I was the cupbearer for the king, which is sort of a weird statement, right? But it's part of looking for an opportunity, and it's, number five, part of making a plan. Because here's what Nehemiah is thinking through. So I don't know if you know much about cupbearers. Sounds like a cool job, right? In fact, uh, I'll go further. They got to try all the wine that the king got to try. How cool is that? Takes a little turn, right? Because um, in that day and in that age, the only way to become the king was either to be a son of the king or to kill the king. So the cupbearer's job was to try the wine. If the cupbearer lives, king gets to drink the wine. Cupbearer dies... Don't drink that wine, king, okay? Now, now that doesn't seem like the most glamorous job, a little bit risky of a job, um, but what it does give Nehemiah is the opportunity to talk to the king of Persia. And the king of Persia in this day and age has a lot of power. And the king of Persia doesn't even align with Nehemiah's thinking here, right? He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't claim God as Lord. He doesn't, he doesn't see the same God as Nehemiah, but he has an opportunity that he sees with this man that he works for, and he says, God, give me favor, and I think it's for this king who may provide opportunity for me to go and do something for my people. And in the back of his head, you can almost see the cogs rolling around. And he thinks, if I can have success and favor with the king, then this number five, making a plan, might actually happen. And if you want to have some time later today, you can read a little bit more of Nehemiah's story. What actually happens is that Nehemiah goes ahead and he gets favor from the king. 
And the king says, hey, what do you need? And he says, well, you know, the guy that owns the forest needs some wood from him. And I need some safe passage to these lands. And I need a lot of time off, okay? And so I'm going to go and I'm going to rebuild the wall. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuild the gates. And I'm tempted to make like a building the wall joke. But I'm build the wall. Anyway, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> it's going to be a really great wall. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll edit that out. of. Okay. We'll edit that. All right. Okay. <laughs> but he makes a plan. Right? He obviously has a plan in place. Because when the king says, hey, I want to I, I give you favor and success, he's got X, Y, and Z that he wants to work on. And what ends up happening is that he ends up going to the place where his people worship, where his people offer sacrifices, where his people find a center hub in who they are as a people and who God is as their God. And, and he ends up rebuilding this wall, rebuilding the gates, and doing something really beautiful for God and for his people. And he ends up making God's name great. And he looks for an opportunity and he makes a plan. So let's go through these once more time. Number one, start with a clean slate. Number two, check your motives. Number three, ask for help. Number four, look for an opportunity. And number five, make a plan. So the reflective question is this this morning. Where do I need God's direction right now? Where do I need God's direction right now? I know specifically for some of you, I've talked to some of you recently, you need some clear direction from God. And I would, I would say, use Nehemiah's prayer. Use this as a template for how you can pray, how you can ask for God to go before you and lead the way and make the path straight and say, I want to go here, God. Is that where you want me to go? Yes, that's where you want me to go. Well, let me go, right? And in particular for me, I just want to end... Our time today, um, just a few more minutes in talking about us as a church. I know you've got needs for direction personally, and I'm excited for that. Um, But we also, as a church, have some needs for direction. We're trying to figure out what God is saying to us. We... I'm blown away by this church. I'm telling you right now. Like this tiny little church in Big Sky... And I'm blown away that I get to be a part of it. It brings me to my knees all the time. Um, I came from a church of about three, 4,000 people in Denver um, to, I don't know, maybe 35, 40 of us on our first weekend together. Um, and it's been about four years, and, and, and you got bad seating up there, guys, now. That's the result of it, right? Um, so, so God's doing something. Um, I, in October, we, we do a family meeting. And many of you aren't here in October. This is part of why I want to talk about this morning. In October, we do a family meeting. And we get together here and we play a bunch of games, play Family Feud. And it's a totally weird service and awesome. And then we have lunch together. And we vote on budget and elders. And we talk about the vision and future of the church. And we talk about what happened in the past year. Um, and, and what we've seen year and year and year again is God's goodness and faithfulness. We had a river baptism service where I think we baptized 11 or 12 people last year. It was crazy, right? Every single year we've had these baptism services where we've been baptizing people into faith. And, and, and some of them, like for the very first time, didn't even know Jesus two, three years ago. And now they, they love Jesus, right? 
Um, we've seen our kids' ministry grow under the leadership of Amber Miller. Amber uh, was somebody we hired a year ago. We prayerfully said, hey, God, um, we want a family life director. We want to we be a church of the people that are here, but we also want to be a, a church of the future. And the future is our kids, right? And so we want to be a church that really... Um, loves and cherishes families, not pushing anybody else out to the outside, okay? Um, but we also want to take a step there. And so we got a rental facility across the street called Base Camp, uh, which probably has, I don't know, 20, 30 kids, God bless them over there, uh, right now hanging out, um, playing games, learning more about Jesus, singing songs. Um, we, we didn't have a children's ministry program at all four years ago. And now that's what God has done. Um, as you can see, uh, last week we almost had 200 people and it wasn't even Easter. And I'm like, it's not even Easter. Why are all these people here? Right? Like, right? Must be the music. Uh, so, I mean, it was, uh, it's amazing. Uh, financially, um, every single year we've stepped up and, and we've tried to match what has been given. Tried to. And every single year, We've been given more than we budgeted for. Once again, we're trending in that direction. I read this article this week about Minnesota churches that are dying like crazy. And it's not just Minnesota, but the article is about Minnesota. But um, there was, the statistics in America are not good for the church. I can tell you that right now. But we're not seeing that. God is just being so amazing to us, so good to us, so faithful to us. And so we're seeking out his direction. We want to know what's next. Amber Miller is um, taking a job down in, Bo- or she, sorry, her husband is taking a job down in Bozeman uh, as one of the branch presidents for a bank down there. And so they're going to be relocating. And so we're in the process of looking for a family life director. I would, I would love to ask you as a church to be prayerful about this. We want to find somebody who loves our kids and families. We're kicking around the idea that that may not just be a, a part-time position, especially giving, uh, our, our, our giving trends for the year. We're thinking maybe that should be something where we actually have some sort of a full-time family life pastor. And so if either of those things seem to make sense for somebody that you know or somebody that you're like, they would be perfect. We want to talk to that person, right? Um, we're trying to ask conversations about, man, what, what do we do when we're running out of space and, and how does this work? We went down to the Warren Miller Performing Arts Center last summer and that gave us a little bre- bit of breathing room, but we wanted to see what it would feel like this summer for us all to be in here. And it's been crowded <laughs> um, and it's been great. But we have all these questions about what to do. Um, God has built up our checking account to almost $300,000. And we've been trying to spend it all, I'm telling you, okay? It's super generous, but it's just like our operating budget is only uh, a shy over $200,000. And when God puts $300,000 in your bank account, you go, God, what do you want us to do with all this? Like, how can we... It's not our money anyway. Right? Um, We share this facility with two other congregations, the 8.30 Mass and the 9 o'clock All Saints, or uh, sorry, 8 o'clock Mass and the 9.30 All Saints Church. And and so we're trying to figure out what does that mean for them, what does that mean for us. And as we got to the end of last year, all I thought was, we don't need to make any decisions this year. We need to pray. And that's why our entire year has been devoted to listening for the voice of God. 
That's why the entire year 2018 has been devoted and is going to be continued to be devoted to listening through God's voice through prayer and through Scripture, because we need God's direction. And so here's my ask this morning of you. I want you to be praying about um, your direction and the things going on in your life. But I want you to be praying for the direction of this church. Would you do that with me? Um, would you, even if you're a part-timer, would you, even if this isn't your church home, would you just, even for this week, would you just commit to praying with me a couple times this week, maybe every day this week, for this church and for God's direction? Because here's what I'm convinced of. God has more people in this city. And um, I don't even care that I'm emotional about it. Um, in the same way that Nehemiah just wept because things weren't the way they were supposed to be, like this is what breaks your pastor's heart. I I wander around this town and I look into the eyes of people who are trying to fill their souls with things that will never fill them. Never fill them. And and I I don't want to be arrogant, but I want to say to them, listen, we got what you need. And his name is Jesus. And I am convinced that God has more people in this city. I believe that he wants us to be the heartbeat of this city. That we would be the ones who would provide life into the city because we're connected to the center of the heart. We're connected to Jesus as the vine is connected to the branches, right? We are the branches connected to the vine and that we would bring life to this community. That we would be those who stand up for truth and, and for character and for love and for grace and for mercy in this place. And that God would do even greater things than we're all ready seeing. Would you commit to praying with me for that? Okay. Let me invite the worship team to come up and lead us in one last song. And then let's do that. Heavenly Father. I thank you for um, Nehemiah and for his story that gives us courage and strength and vision in moments of crossroads, moments where we need your direction, where we need your will, your way. And God, I pray that uh, over this congregation, for each and every person, especially those right now who are in moments of decision, that you would make Nehemiah's prayer their prayer. That you would help them to, to see motives and, and get clear on what you would want. They would approach you and, and receive a clean slate. And, and God, that they would be bold to ask you for, for what they believe that you want. And I also pray that, God, for this church. God, I believe with all my heart you have, you have even more to do in and through us. I believe, God, that you want to continue to affect Big Sky for you. And I pray, God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Big Sky as it is in heaven. I pray that you give us direction. I pray that you give us focus. And I pray that your name would be made great. And we ask this in Jesus' name.
and all God's children said, Amen. Please stand for our last song.